We're wrapping up our series, A Better Way, where we've been kind of walking through Matthew, this idea of this theme verse with Matthew chapter 11. And it reads this way, so if you don't have your Bibles or you haven't marked them, we got them on the screen for you. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, the theme verse for this whole series, this whole last four weeks, says this. Jesus, speaking to his disciples and followers, says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And we're walking out this idea, this theme of apprenticing under Jesus, not just following Jesus, but apprenticing under him. That means taking his way of life and kind of applying it to ours. And what does it mean if we begin to live like Jesus, not just follow Jesus? Okay, that means we would actually the way he lives, his character traits, how he views God, his relationship with God and all that stuff might become our relationship and how we view God and how we interact with the world around us. Sounds pretty important. That's what we're trying to do over these last few weeks. One of the key things we learned is that Jesus never, who've been here the last four weeks, what's the next word? Jesus never ran. He never ran. We have in the scriptures consistently, as he went along, found himself like, he uses words like that. But there's so many times in the scriptures as we read it that we think, Jesus, you need to be in a hurry. And Jesus is like, I'm not in a hurry. And yet for us, we look at that and we go, man, I feel like there's plenty of time that he should be in a hurry. And we find out that his ministry was done at three miles an hour, the pace of the average human walking, three miles an hour. And here's the other thing. Jesus was on to something. Because there's a sense in which if we live faster than that, and some of you have experienced this in your life, that when we live faster than three miles an hour, when we live at life at a pace that's simply painful, that we get to a place where our soul feels exhausted. Some of you have been there. And then we think back through the verse Jesus said, where he said, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your soul. And, and again, no better time to have this conversation than in the middle of the holiday season. Come on, somebody. Who's already tired? Right? Like some of you guys, your hands shot up so fast. And we're already tired. And uh, we're not tired for bad things, right? They're not, they're not bad things. It's just the amount of things, right? I mean, come on. It's just the amount of things that we have to deal with and the pace at which we're dealing with. It's not necessarily what we're doing. It's the pace at which we're doing it. So as we learned in week one, we have to adjust our pace. We have to adjust our pace because as we talked, the biggest enemy of the life you want to live is the pace you're living right now. The biggest enemy of the life you want to live, and again, if I gave you the opportunity, you could sit, or you could sit down and write it out. I want to do this. I want to be this. I want to have this much time. I want to spend my kids here. I want to bring them and get them in this. I want to do this. You know what that is. And as you know what that is, some of you have been chasing that version of your life forever. And I would argue that sometimes the biggest enemy of the life you want to have is the pace you're living right now. We learned that in week one. So recap real quick. Week one, we talked about pace. We talked about moving at the speed of Jesus, which is three miles an hour, trying to keep that steady three mile an hour pace. That's week one. Week two, we talked about distractions. We talked about distractions and how much it and how easy it is to get distracted. But we learned that when we are distracted, we're often distracted from something that we should be focused on. 
right? That sometimes we're distracted from something that we should be focused on. So we learned that in week two, and then last week we learned that we should have a time of prayer and should be praying in a solitary place. That sometimes it's good to just get away and get into the quiet and get away from the chaos and have a moment with the Lord where there's not sound and everything else coming and getting in your way so that you can hear God, as we learned last week with our Greek word, in the Aramos is where the Lord speaks. So those are our three weeks as we learn an apprentice under Jesus, how do we carry the yoke of Christ or how do we move at the pace that Christ would be moving at? So this week, is, we're going to wrap it up, and, and I want to give you a fair warning right out the gate. You are going to argue with me more in your head today than you have this entire series. And some of you are like, no, Brandon, that's not possible. It is. It is. You are going to argue with me more than you probably have this entire time. In fact, as I'm speaking, you are going to have arguments as to why I'm wrong and why this isn't ancient, and this is the one thing here related to Jesus that we shouldn't follow. You're going to make that argument. You're going to make the argument that it doesn't work in today's date, that that was a back then thing, but that's not a here now thing. You're going to make the argument that you simply can't afford to do it. There's no way I can do it, Brandon. It just can't happen. It's outdated. It doesn't make any sense. No, I understand, but we're not. It's just simply not going to happen. And you're going to make the argument, this is true too, the successful people, Brandon, successful people don't do this. Well, let me burst your bubble for just a second. The Lord cares less about your successfulness than your sacredness. See, Paul teaches and reminds us that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, that means we are to be set apart. That's what the temple was. That was the connection Paul was making. Sacred means set apart, divinely set apart for the intentions of God. So, therefore, God doesn't care as much as how successful you are here as much as he cares how sacred you are for him. For those of you that are Jesus followers in the room. That's what it means. So don't be surprised if God cares, starts messing with your successfulness to make you a little bit more sacred. We all okay? Everybody all right? Because sometimes that happens. Some of you have been in those seasons before. And again, this is the one principle, just to be honest, it's the one biblical principle, the one Christ-centered principle that we are the most okay as Christians completely disobeying. Like everything else we'll make excuses for and we'll get there and we're like, yeah, you know, one thing or another. And, you know, we, we try really hard to follow the other commands of Christ and follow the other principles of the Lord. Like we do really hard and we try really hard to make those things happen. But the principle we're going to talk about today, we willingly and openly disobey. In fact, you'll argue about it with me, like I said, a couple times during this message. And in some cases, you're proud of it. In some cases, you'll be proud of it. It will be something that design kind of identifies you. So, as we get started today, Moses came down from the mountain. Moses came down from Mount Sinai where he received the Ten Commandments on the tablets. And on the tablets, it was described as it was inscribed by God on the tablets. God wrote it on the tablets himself. Now, the Ten Commandments is really just the beginning or kind of like the preamble or table of contents almost of the 613 commands of the law, the Torah. You've heard that before. That that's really the Ten Commandments are kind of like, hey, if nothing else, if you forget everything else, break the glass, remember Israel, follow these 10 things, and you won't mess up that bad. Now, there's 613 total, but these are my, if, you, if we can, God's top 10. 
These are God's top 10. And in the top 10, Moses comes down and reads them to the Israelites. And as he's reading them to the Israelites, he gets to this one. Observe the Sabbath day and keep it holy, as the Lord your God has commanded you. And some of you guys are already like, golly, I was hoping we were going to get out and not do that one. Listen to what the Lord says. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And on it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter or your male or female servant, nor your ox, nor your donkey, or any other animals, or any other foreigners residing in towns, so that your male and female servants rest as you do. And then he reminds them of something. <coughs> he says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and with an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. So, again, in God's top 10. Now, a lot of us don't even know where in the top 10 this falls. Well, let's review that real quick. I'm not going to read the whole scriptures, but let's just review where this kind of falls in the top 10. So the first one is, have no other gods before me. Makes sense, right? God gets really upset when they put other things before him, particularly other pagan gods. Number two is, don't make an, an image or an idol of me, right? We've heard that before. We know that God gets real mad at idols. Third one is don't misuse the name of the Lord. For those of you that grew up with the King James Version, you don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? Remember that one? Grandma used to say that to you all the time when you smash your hand or smash your thumb with a hammer. The fourth one is observe the Sabbath day. So, I mean, we are right in the top five, right? Not only that, and then after that comes honor your father and your mother, don't murder, don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. That's lying. Don't go around lying to people like that, right? Um, and don't go around coveting, which is desiring what's something, some, something that somebody else rightly has. So don't go around doing that kind of stuff. <clears throat> and I can hear you now. I can hear it now. Brandon, that is the old law, and you have told us that numerous times that we aren't supposed to take things in the Old Testament and apply it to us willy-nilly. And we are not under the law, Brandon. I've heard you say it. We're not under the law. We're under grace. That's true. That's absolutely true. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Because Jesus talks about the Sabbath. You guys ready for this? We ready? Okay. This is not just a Old Testament principle. This is a New Testament principle, and we're going to see Jesus talk about it, because I'm going to make the argument here that it was from the beginning designed in creation, and that's why Jesus affirms it. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to go to Mark chapter 2, verse 23. So Mark chapter 2, verse 23. So last week we were in Mark chapter 2, a little bit before this. We talked about how we need to kind of get into a solitary place. After all of those moments when Jesus goes around preaching and everything else, his people are exhausted and they go through the grain field. So if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 2, verse 23, if you're there, say word. <clears throat> all right, the word of the Lord. One Sabbath. So one Sabbath, if it wasn't important... They wouldn't have wrote Sabbath. I just want to point that out. None of the disciples would have wrote Sabbath if it wasn't important. Remember, Mark is Peter's account. So Peter said one Sabbath, right? One Sabbath. 
Jesus was going through the grain fields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? <coughs> what do they do? Because, see, the Pharisees, they wanted... So they had something called the Torah. Remember the 613 commandments? Well, the Pharisees actually created more rules. They're the real big rule guys, right? So they created rules around the rules, okay? It's kind of like if you go into the kitchen, the rule is don't touch the hot stove. So instead of even making that the first rule to make sure the kids don't touch the hot stove, what do we do? What's the next thing we say? Stay out the kitchen, right? It's kind of like the Pharisees doing that everywhere, around everything. More and more rules, more and more rules, and they developed something called the oral Torah. So you had the written Torah, the 613 laws that you find in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, and then you have the oral Torah, okay? This was what was designed by the Pharisees, and Jesus actually has it out with these Pharisees quite a few times about the oral Torah. It's happened many, many times inside of the New Testament in, in the uh, story of Jesus. In fact, the Pharisees, they made rules around rules around rules, and then if you broke the rules, you got in even more trouble. So you had rules upon rules upon rules, and then if you broke them, you got in more and more and more trouble, and you didn't even really break the rule, but you kind of broke the rule, you know what I'm talking about? It was real muddy. In fact, the Pharisees were actually kind of like this guy right here. Right to jail. You're playing music too loud? Right to jail. Right away. You're driving too fast? Jail. Slow? Jail. You're charging too high prices for uh, sweaters? Glasses, you write to jail. You undercook fish, believe it or not, jail. You overcook chicken, also jail. Undercook, overcook. You make an appointment with a dentist and you don't show up, believe it or not, jail, right away. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. I'm Parks and Rec fans in here. Anybody watch Parks and Rec? It's okay, you're safe here. It's all right. That every time I read the Pharisees, this is who I think of. It's like, oh, right through jail. No, done with you. Right through jail. That's the Pharisees. They wanted, they had so many rules, so many, so many restrictions. Same thing they're trying to implement here with Jesus. They're not interested in the principle of the Sabbath. They're interested in the legalism of the Sabbath. We're interested in the principle. Jesus was interested in the principle. Now listen to how he responds and what he says. Haven't, have you ever read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need. It's like, of course they have. They're the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders. They're in the temple. Of course they've read it. In the days of, Ab of Abathar, the high priest, he entered the house of the Lord and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priests to eat. And he also gave some of his companions. Now, to understand this, we've got, to, we've got to kind of unpack it just a little bit. For many of us, we read that and we're like, I don't know what that means. And then you go to the next verse, you know what I'm talking about? You're just like, I don't know. And then go to the next one. Well, if you have a study Bible, there should be a little tick right there. And if you, I almost said click on it. If you have a study Bible, you can't <laughs> click on it. But if you have an iPhone Bible or one of, those Bi one of those Bibles, man, I sound like a old person up here. Like, I don't know how to talk about a phone. Okay. You have a phone, the Uversion app, okay? And if you click on the little icon next to this verse, it'll take you into Samuel where you can see this particular thing happen. And when you actually go do that and you see it, the, what's happened is that bread is supposed to be reserved for the priest. It's reserved for the priest so that the priest always had something to eat. Now, if the priest had food, he could kind of do what he wanted with it. But it was supposed to be consecrated, set apart for him. It was the way the Lord ensured that there was food in his house. 
Now, David running from Saul comes to the house of the Lord, and he has plenty of men. He could have raided the temple. He could have just taken it, but he didn't, and they're all really hungry. They're on the run from Saul. David comes up and says, hey, my men need food. I need food. And the high priest said, you know what? Take it. Go ahead. Take, take the bread. Because the purpose was to ensure the Lord's servants were fed. You guys tracking with me? And if the high priest already had food, it was not violating the principles for the high priest to then feed the Lord's servant. We're all on the same page, right? See what I'm talking about? Pharisees don't care about that. Right to jail, right? That's what they're after. Right to jail. Not playing, not, not playing that game at all. So they've kind of created attention, and Jesus is using this. He's using this to show them you don't care about the principle of the Lord. You actually only care about legalism. You want religion to be able to leverage and overpower people so that you can threaten them with your God. Jesus didn't like that. In fact, Jesus gets very frustrated about that numerous times. And so he uses this as an illustration. Haven't you heard? Man after God's own heart used the bread that was consecrated for the high priest, and nothing came of it. Nothing bad happened. What do you suppose that was all about? Because the principle of the Lord was still honored. Now, fast forward to today, and Jesus hits them with a showstopper. He just totally shuts, shuts their mouth right out, the, right out the way when he gets this. He says, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Now, in the first century, they needed the last part of this phrase. They needed that whole not man for the Sabbath phase. They needed to understand that God did not create rules and then create people so they could keep the rules. You know what I'm talking about? Like, how many of you, before you ever had kids, had rules in your house about things like this? You didn't have rules in your house. You didn't, have, you didn't set all these rules in place and then look and go, honey, we got to have kids. Why? Look at all these good rules. <laughs> Ain't nobody using these rules. Come on, let's all be honest. Ain't nobody breaking these rules. So, like, you didn't do that. You had kids, and then you said, oh, well, what's best for them is a few rules. What's best for them is a couple yeses and a couple no's. What's best for them is for me to kind of put parameters on their life, right? Stay out the kitchen, right? So it's, that's how God viewed it. This whole phrase is Jesus saying, look, God didn't make rules and then make mankind to pay attention to the rules. That's not how it happened. God made mankind, and then he created things, rules, principles to serve mankind. That's what Jesus says. Now, first century, they needed that second half of it, right? They needed that second half. Our time frame, we need the first half. Because we've actually gone past the second half. We don't pay attention to the second half at all. We're not interested because we don't even keep the Sabbath. The first half, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man. Meaning God created it for you. So, it can't just be an Old Testament thing, because Jesus affirms that it is part of creation, that God created it, and it doesn't pass away, that it's actually, I would argue, part of how we are designed, and it's that we need a Sabbath, 
God created us that way. God instituted the Sabbath so that you can rest. And then Jesus affirmed and kept the Sabbath. The Son of God kept the Sabbath. Now, he didn't do the legalism part of it, but he kept the Sabbath. It was important to him. He said it over and over again. Let me explain it this way. It's kind of like a muscle, okay? I like to work out, so I'm going to make this analogy. If you consistently go to the gym and you over, over, every day, over and over again, work your bicep muscle, okay? Bicep, there's only really two things there. So if you every day go in and you're constantly doing the same exact exercise all the time with the same weight, and you do it seven days a week, no breaks, just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. That muscle is going to tear and it's going to hurt and it's not going to work. That muscle will eventually get so exhausted you won't be able to move it. I mean, come on, NBA players have days off. NFL players have rest days. Everybody has a day in which their body is able to recover. It's important that you recover. The same is true for your spirit. You need a day to rest and recover. And again, you're already arguing with me. You're already saying, I can't do it. I don't have time. It's not possible. Come on, Brandon. That's so archaic. Isn't that legalistic? I don't think it's legalistic. I think it's the way you were designed. In fact, Jesus wasn't the first person to talk about it, that it was instituted in the creation of everything. Genesis 2, God goes into details. He describes it. By the seventh day, Genesis 2 reads, God had finished the work he was doing, So on the seventh day, he, somebody say that word. He rested from all his work. And and I understand, I understand the arguments right now. Come on, Brandon, it's the holidays. I can't anywhere afford to do that. I'm just so busy. Yeah, yeah, I know. God rested. But but Brandon, I mean, come on, the the guy, they just started this new work project. And I've got to get it done in three weeks. So I can't take a Sabbath day. I've got to keep pushing. I've got to get more and more done. Yeah, yeah, I know, but God rested. I mean, Brandon, come on. It's not even really work to me. I love this job. It's not work. So it's not really work, so I don't really need a Sabbath from it. God rested. So to resist the Sabbath and the need for rest seems to be to resist the way you were created. And that doesn't often go well, to resist the way that you were created. If an eternal, all-knowing, all-powerful creator rested, not because he needed to, but because he wanted to, because he wanted to demonstrate what it means and set this into creation, then what makes you think you can get away with not doing it? You're stronger. You can keep going. Maybe that's why you have so much anxiety. Maybe that's why you can't sleep well at night. Maybe, maybe it's because you're resisting your design that you are constantly fighting with people left and right. Maybe that's why you can't get any rest is because you're resisting the way that you were designed. God created rest in our life. You spend a third of your life asleep. God built it into your system to where you can't keep going. Have you noticed that? How many people have ever stayed awake actually fully 24 hours? I have, not willingly, but I have, right? It's awful, isn't it? 
It is terrible. It's so bad. It is so bad. And then it's a form of torture. They don't even torture people anymore. They just keep them awake. Because you start seeing things. Like you start seeing hallucinations and stuff like that. Right? I mean, because it's built into who you are. It's built into your biology. It's built into your creation. Your soul is the same way. You need a Sabbath. You need rest. You have to have it because God created you that way. Now, the word here in the, in the Hebrew, in the Old Testament, rest, is the Hebrew word Shabbat, which is kind of what they, they just means stop. And then some of you that have watched The Chosen or some of that, you're aware of that word. You've heard that word before associated with the Sabbath. Simply stop. Like, stop. Like, just don't. Just stop. For some of us, we're like, what does that mean? Stop. <laughs> like, what's the Sabbath mean? Stop. Just stop. Just don't do any work. And some of you, you have anxiety right now. As I said, don't do that. Don't do any work. You're like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, you need help. Um, and I'll be there with you. <laughs> okay, so I feel you on this. But it's, it's the way we were designed. And Shabbat means stop. And not only that, Shabbat also means in the Hebrew, delight. So in some translations, this says the Lord didn't just rest. He delighted in all of his work because it can be translated either way. So it's almost as if the Lord is giving us permission to stop one day a week so we can delight in all what we've done the last six. It's almost as if he's created this in such a way and given us permission and encouraged us and then built into your biology to where you get to that, sixth, that seventh day and you rest and you delight and all the work that you have done, and all the effort that you've put in, and all the things that you've created the same way the Lord created, and all the progress that you made, and all the success that you've made. The Lord doesn't say that's bad. The Lord just says every so often, you need to stop and delight. Dan Allender, a psychiatrist uh, and counselor, he says this. He says, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. To enter delight. The Sabbath, when experienced as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it is the best day of the week. It is the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and the day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time <clears throat> where we feast, play, dance, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, and watch creation in its fullness. This next part, when I read this, this made me sad, but I think it's true. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, to make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone a week that most people can't even handle a full day of joy in a week. And it's because of the culture that we live, the speed at which we live, the pace at which we live, right? It's gone to the next one. It's fast, fast, fast. 
Go, 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 produce, 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 successful, successful, successful. And God's not against producing and creating and successful and provision. He's not against all those things. In fact, he is the God of all those things. But he's also the Lord of the Sabbath, which means slow down, stop, and delight in the work that you've done before. And it's sad that so many of us can't get there. Now, for many of you, you sit back, you go, okay, Brandon, I'm there. I, I, I need that. I, I definitely, definitely need that. How do I do that? Well, the first step, and it's going to be challenging. It's going to be so hard. You have to even acknowledge whether you had a Sabbath. When's the last time you've had one where you just sat down and didn't do any work? Like didn't think about work, didn't do any work, didn't didn't do any of it. I mean, think about it, honestly. When's the last time you sat down and just did that? When's the last time you sat down and just did a whole day? And some of you are going to be like, I can't do that. I know. Believe me. I hear you. I hear you. But when's the last time you had a whole day where you just did what you wanted? Right? What you wanted and what fills you and enjoys you and causes you joy. And for many of us go, Brandon, I can't do that. I got kids. I got this. I got this. I got that. I got that. No, I understand. But I'm not telling you this. The Lord is. Three places. Creation, the law, New Testament. The words of Jesus where the Sabbath is affirmed and called to be kept. And the third time, Jesus said God created it for you. Not for him. He didn't create it so he had a day where he could be like, eh, they're not working today. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. It's because he created it so that you had a day to rest and refit and recharge. It's like plugging your phone into where you can be ready for the next day. And if you don't have that once a week, it's going to be so hard. And over time, your soul is going to be exhausted. Some of you have done that. Some of you have been there. Some of you have reached that place. And it's dangerous to get to that place because Sabbath, part of who you are, is part of what God created for you. Not to you, not so that you have to deal with it. He created it for you and gave you permission to take a day off. And again, this is the only commandment of the Ten Commandments where we are okay breaking it for success' sake. We're okay breaking it because boss asked for more time at the, at the, on this project. We're okay breaking it because we want one thing or another, right? And I, and I mean a full day where you do things that fill you. For some of you, that's mowing the grass. For some of you, it's other things. But you do a full day of things that fill you. Spending time with your kids eating dinner with your family. Maybe it's preparing dinner with your family. Like, I don't know what it is, but you have to decide first, what fills me? And then do I do that weekly? Do I have a Sabbath day where I set it apart, where I'm not going to do any work associated with anything? No work at all. I'm going to do things that only fill me. And I only think, and then I can look at those other six days and delight. It's so important to create a rhythm of rest. That's what I suggest because the rhythm of rest was created by the Lord in the first day. It was created by the Lord in the, in, or in the first week. 
he said and put a rhythm of rest into creation. But some of us are living out of rhythm. Some of us just, we're not there, right? Like we're not fully there. And rhythm is so important. In fact, I'll show you how important rhythm is. Watch. This is how important rhythm is. That is messy. Ain't nobody doing anything with that. This is rhythm. Do you, do you see the difference in how messy the other one is and how out of sorts it is and how much it just doesn't make any sense, right? It just doesn't connect. It's just, ugh, it feels gross. But when the rhythm is in place, everything changes. The tone changes. And I don't even know how to do that. You get one of the good guys up here that really know how to do that, like it's going to be next level, and you'll be able to tell instantly the rhythm is there. God created you with rhythm, and it's a rhythm of rest. And you should work to create that rhythm of rest in your life. Because to resist it is to resist the way you were created. To resist it is to resist creation. To resist the rhythm that the Lord has put out into the world, you are going against it. You're, you're the crazy guy on the drums making a bunch of noise trying to figure out why it doesn't sound good and why life is a mess. Because you're not in rhythm with how God created you and how God set it in Motion. So, when's the last time that you were in rhythm? When's the last time you were in rhythm with the Lord? Real rest, once a week, where you set aside time and you said, God, this is yours. God, this is the time I'm going to take and fill myself up and not be exhausted. Because again, you will only run so long. You will only run so far. Even marathon runners have to stop. You will only make it so far. And maybe you're making it really far right now, and maybe you've made it really far. Eventually, it will catch up to you. Eventually, your soul will be exhausted. And for some of you, you're there right now. And you're like, I need to put in this rhythm of rest. Doesn't have to be a Saturday. Doesn't have to be a Sunday. We're not getting legalistic about it. Find a day, whatever day it is, to where you do things that only fill you. And you can delight in all the work that you've done and watch as the Lord blesses those six as you honor the one. Because he does that all the time. And I'm talking with you. I'm not preaching at you. I've struggled with this myself. It is so hard to trust that the Lord is going to bless those other six days of work. And you think I can just get one more day. Just one more. One more. Just one more. One more. Not going to make the difference you think it is. Trusting the Lord with the six will. And you will find rest in the words of Jesus, rest 
for your soul that some of you have needed for a very, very long time. Some of us in here, we think, I would love to do that, Brandon. I would love to do that, but my, you haven't taken the first step of, of following Jesus yet. You've thought about it. You're like, hey, man, I would love to follow Jesus. I'd love to do these things. I'm not really sure what that means. I'm not even really sure how to do that. And then I would love a rhythm of rest, but I've already got all this stuff inside of me that haven't been handled yet. And if that's you, I want to give you the opportunity today as we pray to accept the Lord and accept Jesus as your Savior, acknowledging that you need him, acknowledging that there is separation between you and God and Jesus. Only Jesus can bridge that gap. Believing in him and then committing your life to follow him, that's the first step of finding the rhythm. So if you haven't taken that first step, I would love to pray with you this morning. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the Sabbath. Thank thank you for this thing that we have that you gave to us and for us. So Father, I pray right now for anybody who needs the rest of Christ, who's been carrying the weight of their sin and carrying the weight of their separation from you for the last however many years, God. And Lord, I pray with them right now, acknowledging the need for you, Submitting to you, Lord, believing you are who you said you were, and committing our lives to follow you. And Lord, for those who already are believers but struggle with this idea of a Sabbath, it's so, so difficult, especially when, Lord, we turn on television and we read books and we see these productivity guys all over the place and people, business owners, everybody who says they just go, 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 and Lord, we know that's not true, or we watch them as they break. God, I pray for those of us that struggle with the Sabbath. I pray your Spirit would speak to us and gently nudge us and remind us every week and just kind of like kind of poke and prod, hey, have you taken a Sabbath this week? Have you taken the time that I ordained, that I set aside, that I said was required? Have you taken that time to make it more personal? Have we taken that time to trust you with that one day? Holy Spirit, help us, guide us, remind us, prompt us in those moments when we can't, we don't know how, to do it. Lord, we love you. We give you all the praise. And the church said, amen.